Fab, thank you very much. As Luke said, my name's um, Alice, and I've just finished a master's here in Edinburgh, um, and I'm very grateful. Ooh, I'm a little boomy. <laughs> um, I'm very grateful um, that I've been asked to come and talk tonight about communion, which is one of my all-time favourite things. Um, so before we start, um, let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your good gifts to us. I thank you that communion is one of those gifts. Would you open our hearts, would you open our minds with your spirit so that we can appreciate the goodness of your gifts even more, God? Would you use my words tonight, God? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we're thinking, what does Jesus say about communion? And it might help to start with a bit of my own background. So I grew up in a Church of England village church, which consisted of about 12 elderly ladies, a sprinkling of farmers, and my family. Communion there was very exciting. It was a chance to get up off your pew and go to the extra holy front part of church, which was reserved for special occasions like communion and weddings, and drink out of a silver goblet. It was brilliant. You got a little wafer from the vicar, and then you went back to your seat and the excitement was over. Then our family moved to a Baptist church where things were a little different. Instead of a silver goblet, we had little glass cups with distinctly non-alcoholic communion wine in and fresh white rolls served to us by the church deacons wearing very crisply ironed shirts. And then when I came to university, I came here to King's five years ago now, this autumn. And we do things differently again here. We have little plastic cups of grape juice, maybe? (laughs) Red juice. Um, And often flatbread on a Sunday morning. So I seem on the surface to be inching further and further away from tradition, from what seems super-duper extra holy, And different interpretations of communion and the Mass or the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper, whatever name you know it by, whatever tradition you come from, different interpretations of it has caused great controversy across the centuries in church history, including in the Reformation, which we're remembering the 500th anniversary of this autumn. So it's important that we get to grips with communion and what communion really means. But I'm not going to give you a lecture tonight on the pros and cons of goblets versus little plastic cups. Instead, we're going to dive into the source, into the hope and joy that we find in the words of Jesus. Um, So it's important that we understand this. And this is applicable to you if you're a believer and you've taken communion hundreds and hundreds of times, maybe thousands of times across your lifetime. Or if you're not a Christian, you're not quite sure what you believe, you've never taken communion before. Maybe this is your first Sunday at church and you're thinking, goodness, this is communion. What is it? Um, We're going to explore that today. Um, And I know we sometimes shy away from talking about this because we're afraid of of sounding too religious, of too concerned about human details. Um, But communion was given to us, the people of God, the church, as a gift and as a sign, as something that makes us distinctive. So it's really important that we we don't neglect it, that we understand it properly. So if you have a Bible, please do open it. Um, I'm going to read our passage for tonight, which is taken from Matthew's Gospel. And it records what happens at a meeting, at a meal, sorry, that Jesus ate with his disciples, with his friends, the night before he was crucified 
and died. So we're in Matthew 26, verses 26 to 29, and it says this. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So this is a short passage, just a few verses. Um, But what Jesus is doing here in starting the first Lord's Supper is full of past and future significance and is such a blessing to us. So tonight I want us to grasp that communion is a meal of faith not a dead religious work. David Zuliger says, at his table, at Jesus' table, we do not eat and drink the physical body of Christ, but we do eat and drink of him spiritually. By this we mean that the gospel, which has been completed once and for all as a saving grace, is applied in fresh ways as we gather at the table. Communion wraps up so many, frankly, astonishing things about God's character and his actions towards us and the nature of the church. There is so much that could be said. But tonight I'm going to focus on three aspects of faith that communion speaks to. So firstly, our faith in God's character. Then our faith in what God has done. And lastly, our faith in what God will do. So let's start with God's character. Communion reminds us that God is faithful, that he fulfills his promises towards us, exemplified here through the old covenant being made new in Jesus. So the meal that Jesus is eating in this passage with his disciples is the Passover meal that Dan spoke about last Sunday morning and Nat mentioned this morning. There was wine at the table to represent the blood of sacrificed lambs, which were wiped on the door frames of the Israelite slaves when the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt in order to save them from the passing over of the angel of death. And unleavened bread to remember the dough that did not have a chance to rise because the Israelites had to rush, had to flee quickly when their moment of freedom came. The story can be found in Exodus 12 to 13. And for the Jews, practicing the Passover meal each year pointed to the covenant, to the agreement that God established with with the Israelites through Moses after he had set them free from Egypt. This covenant established the key principles and the laws by which Israel was to live in a godly way, including the system of animal sacrifices, which was used to atone for, to cover for, to make up for the Israelites' sin. The blood of animals represented life, and God used this system as a kind of temporary means to cover over the death that was brought about by the Israelites' sin. And what Jesus is saying here in Matthew's Gospel is that the focus of the Passover meal has changed. It is now about him. 
The bread broken represents his body broken on the cross, and the wine represents his blood shed for us. Now, this required tremendous faith of the original listeners. I think we often forget this, assuming that it must have been somehow easier for the disciples because they were there with Jesus, they could see him. But Jesus is asking a lot of them in this moment, a lot of their their faith. He's asking his Jewish friends to be expectant of the great salvation that the Old Testament points towards. He's asking them to, to understand him as the fulfillment of everything, the fulfillment of the exodus from Egypt, the true freedom, which is a scandalous request to say, your whole belief system, it's me, I fulfill it, it revolves around me. But the wonderful thing about Jesus is that he justifies his words with his actions, dying on a cross as a sacrifice the very next day. So through these actions on the cross, he fulfilled the old covenant by laying down his life as the perfect sacrifice, truly sinless, truly perfect, reconciling us to God. Whilst the blood of the old covenant, the animals would be shed for an individual or a family or the people of Israel, Jesus' blood was shed that the whole world might be reconciled to God. Some famous verses that you might know, but they're, they're good for a reason. In John 3, 16 to 17, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Matthew Henry says that Christ is to us the Passover sacrifice by which atonement is made. John the Baptist declared Jesus to be the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And he was right. This is what we see in communion. So if you forgive my terrible graphic design skills here, this was most definitely made on PowerPoint. Um, But this is what the different aspects of the communion meal mean. On the left here, we have the original meaning from the Passover meal, the lamb's blood and the unleavened bread. And on the right here, we have the new meaning, the refreshed meaning in our communion meal, Jesus's blood and Jesus's body. But there is this overarching theme that links these two symbols. Bread is a sign of God's provision. Throughout the Old and New Testament, this is what bread represents. So when the Israelites had been freed from slavery and they were wandering in the desert, God sent them bread each day to sustain them. And Jesus called himself the bread of life, the one who sustains us forever. And wine historically represents joy in the kingdom. It's a symbol of feasting and of celebration and of joy. And we see that again throughout the Old Testament. It's used in many prophetic words to talk about heaven or to talk about renewal, the time that was to come. And Jesus's first miracle, the one that we have recorded, is of him turning water into wine at a feast, at a wedding. It was a celebration, a sign of the joy that was to come. So because of these incredible meanings, we get a fuller understanding of what communion is. And because of the sacrifice that enables these meanings, we get to enjoy a new covenant with God. 
Once we were separated from God by our unholiness and his complete and perfect holiness, now in the new covenant, the new age in which we live, the holiness of Jesus is given to us. And we can come closer than ever to God. The Holy Spirit is given to dwell within us. And Jesus brings us into the heavenly places with him. Hebrews 8 contains this beautiful description of God's declaration of the new covenant. It's quoting a prophetic promise from the Old Testament in Jeremiah 31. And it says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. God's covenants reveal his character. The old covenant made a way for the people of Israel to come close to God, but the new covenant gives us all a way to God. We become one with Christ. We are hidden in Christ through his work on the cross. Communion reminds us that God is not a God of the far off. He's not a God of distance. He is a God of nearness and closeness and of communion with us. So by eating the bread and drinking the wine that represent Jesus, we are identifying ourselves with him. We are declaring that we are a part of this new covenant. So one of the key purposes of communion is to strengthen our faith in God's character, his faithful character. The fact that God's promises in the Old Testament are fulfilled in Jesus gives us hope that the promises of the new covenant are too fulfilled in Jesus. Communion also stirs our faith in God's continued provision towards us through Jesus. So Jesus gave this meal to his disciples before he was crucified. From its very beginning, it required faith of the people who ate it. The crucifixion hadn't happened when Jesus gave them this meal. And the the meal is still a signpost towards the cross. It still requires faith of us. We are taking it 2,000 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. We weren't there and we didn't witness it with our own eyes, but still we believe So what are we called to have have faith in when we remember the cross? As Christians, we believe that when Jesus died on the cross, he made a way for us to be fully forgiven. As he says in verse 28 of this, this section from Matthew, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. By this sacrifice, we believe that he has saved us from sin and death. And if you're a Christian here today, this is what you are called to hope in every day of your life, that Jesus has done it for you, that it was truly finished on the cross, that his blood covers you like the lamb's blood covered the door of the Israelite slaves. As the old hymn goes, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Hebrews 10, 12 to 14 says this, But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Christ sat down. It was done. It is finished. And David Featherston describes it this way. In providing Jesus as a sacrifice for our sin, for for my sin, for your sin, God has provided for us what he commands of us. 
He knew that we could never reach him on our own, so he bridged the gap for us. The broken bread reminds us of this this new and better way of God's provision for us with Jesus' body broken in our place. And this is why we are called to approach this meal with a sense of self-examination and of repentance. When we take communion as a church, we are clear that this is for people who believe in Jesus. This is for people who trust in Jesus with everything. When we take communion, we are declaring that Jesus' blood, that Jesus' sacrifice is all we hope in for our salvation. Not our own strength, not our own brains, not our own morals, but solely in his actions. Which is why Paul, in 1 Corinthians 11, has quite a stern warning for us when we come to communion. He says this, Whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. It's a serious business. We are called to come back before God, to repent, to say sorry, and turn back to his all-sufficient grace. But Jesus' words in these verses from Matthew are a reminder that we get a seat at the communion table, not because of anything that we have done, but because we are invited. Just as the disciples around Jesus' table here demonstrate their unworthiness time and time again with fear and foolish questions and just hours after this meal, denying that they knew Jesus as he went to his death. None of us deserve to be at this table on our own merit. But just as the disciples were invited to join Jesus, Jesus extends the invitation to us in his meal and his mission He says, come, follow me. Here, take and eat. Drink of this cup which I pour out for you. Communion is a reminder of our total reliance on Jesus. It gives us a moment to come back, to lay it all before him, to give up our burdens again and say thank you. Communion gives us faith that God has provided the things we need, both our daily bread and the eternal bread of life that is Jesus. As well as being a much-needed reminder of God's character and of what he has already done, communion is a celebration of the fruit of Jesus' sacrifice. The communal way that Jesus institutes this meal around the table with his disciples points to the drawing together of believers as the body of Christ, the church. When we take communion together... It should stir our faith for this family, the family that we are here in this room, right now and in the future. And there is something special about eating food together, sharing food. It marks us as a family. But in these days in Britain, loneliness is on the rise. It's now estimated that there are 7.7 million people in Britain who live on their own. And our culture is increasingly becoming orientated around living alone and eating alone. But the church is called to demonstrate true community. We are called to demonstrate this through through our love for each other. And one way that we do that is the way that we take the Lord's Supper together. In Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth, he criticizes the way that they practice communion. He emphasizes that this really matters how they do it. He says, when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. 
For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry and another gets drunk. What, do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. True communion takes a stand against both greed and loneliness. It reminds us that those who are in Christ are all equal in the sight of God. We are a family. The way we take communion should be a sign for those in our midst and those around us that we love each other because God first loved us. And when we join together like this, we are not just signposting towards the common events that we share that have brought us to this place, the crucifixion and the resurrection. We are pointing towards the shared joy that we will, we will have together. In verse 29, Jesus says, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. He is drawing our attention to the outcome of faith in his sacrifice on the cross, eternal life. What Jesus is saying here is that a day is coming when those who believe in him, who identify with him through profession of their faith, will have joy eternal in God's kingdom. And what a future it will be. As Nathaniel mentioned earlier in bringing that word from Revelation, when we join together as a family, we come from all ages, all nations, all tribes, all tongues. And that's a representation of what is to happen in heaven. People from all centuries, all places, all nationalities coming together as one to praise God forever. Revelation 19 describes a prophetic vision of the marriage supper in heaven where the church and Christ will be joined together forever. And there will be a great multitude of people crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. The Lord's Supper, where we remember Jesus as the Lamb of God, our Passover sacrifice, is also a signpost towards the heavenly feast, the wine representing joy eternal in the kingdom, where Jesus and the church will be united physically as we are spiritually. So communion is such a blessing to us, both individually and corporately. The words and actions of Jesus in these verses from Matthew remind us that God's character is faithful. He fulfills his promises to us. Communion refreshes our faith in God's provision as we remember how Jesus' one sacrifice continues in its power to save us from sin and death. And lastly, communion lifts our eyes to the heavenly joys that are to come for the family of God. John 1, 16 to 17 says, And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Communion is truly a meal of faith, not a dead religious ritual. It is a sign to us and to the world around us of the fullness of God's grace towards us. 
So we now have the opportunity to take communion together. And if you are a follower of Jesus, if you know and love him as your Lord and Saviour, you are so welcome to join us in this tonight. There are rolls and juice on your tables, um, and I'll lead us through in prayer. But we're going to start with a moment of quiet, um, of silence, actually, um, to come before God, to thank him for this gift, to repent to, to, to fall on his grace again. So let's pray. Let's take a moment and I'll draw us back together in a minute. On the night before he died, when darkness had fallen, Jesus took bread. He gave thanks and he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this to remember me. After they had eaten, he took a cup of wine. He gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, This is my blood, which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. So, Father, with this bread and with this cup, we celebrate Jesus' love, his life, his death. We celebrate that he did this to bring us close to you to bring us into communion with you forever. As you feed us with these gifts, Lord, would you send your Holy Spirit? Would you change us to be more like our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ? So draw near with faith. Receive the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died and feed on him in your hearts with thanksgiving through faith.